whatever is happening in your life if you can come to it from that point of view as I am a bigger identity then all of your experiences are profound the mundane can be profound but it it is literally about remembering to be conscious of what you're here for what you're doing here and that Mm -hmm. is to share more love welcome to a curious yogi podcast i'm your host bobby here to illuminate your practice as we discover what it means to walk the yogi's path together with wise friends and awakening teachers we uncover the answers to our greatest questions i'm so delighted you're here now let's get curious welcome back to a curious yogi podcast Today I sit down with skilled teacher and very sweet soul Virginia Edmund Kent who I met on Lake Atsitlan in Guatemala way back in 2020. Virginia has dedicated a decade to practicing and sharing the transformative power of yoga. She believes in the synergy and potential of combining plant medicine with yoga to heal trauma and promote personal growth. Her teachings encourage free thinking and transcendence of our current reality, empowering students to explore their inner landscapes and expand their consciousness. Today, Virginia and I get into the profound expansion possible, not only through yoga and plant medicine, but also meditation and vipassana. Virginia shares her personal stories and we dive into our similar experiences with all of the above mentioned. She offers us a very gentle nudge into what is possible on the other side of negatively dense emotions and just how to remember our true nature as loving kindness. I promise you'll take something to contemplate for your practice from this conversation, and I'm really curious to know what you think. So please reach out, leave a review, and enjoy. So good to see you, Virginia, and welcome. Yes, it's so good to see you, and I'm so excited to share and just a little time together and reconnect after I think we met like three years ago maybe even more in Guatemala four years ago now and time has gone so fast it was on the lake beautiful Guatemala yeah Lake Atitlan it was so good so thank you for just offering us your time and your wisdom and your inspiration thanks for being here of course I'm glad to share with you um you're writing some lovely inspiring posts I love the take that you have on the way you share so I was really happy to um, do this with you mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like I mean kind of interesting like I have this kind of love not hate but love icky feeling sometimes with social media but then you know like for this is the <sighs> perfect example of why and how it can be amazing that we can like use it and I know you use your platform so much for like rising the vibration and sharing positivity and sharing that light that I think is so important that it's like okay let's keep it up that's the thing isn't it it's it's a a double-sided coin of course because we want to share with so many people and connect with so many people that are on the same vibration or share information um share that love and light but then also on the flip side 
you don't always want to be on technology and I feel you know it raises your vibration to connect with like-minded people but then sometimes I feel like you know being on my phone being on the computer um it can get a little bit like I need to get back into the forest <laughs> you know I want to be in nature so we just have to find a balance that's the whole thing I think we learn throughout life it is always about balance mm-hmm. yeah that's such such a good point like and about like finding that alchemy of, of real harmony of not too much not too little actually in Sweden they have a word for that it's called logum which means perfectly in the middle like not too hot not too cold just like Goldilocks so I think they have some mm-hmm. yoga wisdom here yeah, yeah. so um yeah you have such an interesting um you have such an interesting background and an interesting way that you share all the healing work that you do. I know you're a skilled yogi and a skilled yoga teacher, a Reiki practitioner, and like a super manifester. And I knew this about you like three years, four years ago. And I've seen how um, you you really uh, walk the walk of what you teach. And I want to get like right into the conversation about metaphysic, metaphysics, psilocybin, mm-hmm. Like, what is the what is the main message in your teaching and how did you get to this point in the work that you share? Hmm. I think the main message in my teaching at the moment, what I've learned more recently, you know, part of our spiritual awakening is learning our power to manifest and create our reality with our thoughts, our feelings, our vibration, our emotions, tailoring that to what we want to create in our lives. But what I've learned, um, mostly this year and the the year before that is the second stage of that is then letting go of that attachment to what the external reality brings you and wanting to share information about metaphysics so that it can better the whole world it can better the whole collective rather than it coming back to something like an ego egotistical way of manifesting right so we learn these powers these magical powers that we have but um I've been taught this lesson and, you know, I think it is always those little ego deaths that come along, along our spiritual journey is we have to catch ourselves because I do see a lot in the spiritual community now is, oh, let's manifest a a mansion. Let's manifest this, this huge pain job. Let's manifest this. And it's coming back to what we're trying to escape from or trying to change that kind of capitalism a capitalistic society that we're we're wanting to change as a collective but we're then using manifesting to kind of come back to towards that right um and I think the lessons that I've learned is I've manifested things into my life and then they've gone away again <laughs> but in that loss then there was new learnings right and I I in each time that's happened in a little cycle I've lost my attachment to the outcome and each time I've lost my attachment to the outcome um, I've discovered new layers of my own identity and new ways that I want to share with other people um, rather than just, you know, yeah, I have the power to manifest a new car or whatever it is, but how can you use your powers to to manifest a better world for the collective rather than, you know, enhancing capitalist society? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very important to differentiate, especially right now as it's like feels like such a tipping point where, we have to collectively steer the ship in that direction that you're talking about. And I'm wondering yeah. if you can just go back a little bit and kind of break down for myself and the listeners, like metaphysics and how 
what it is. Yeah, what it is and how we can utilize it in our lives. Hmm. So I think to best answer that question, it would be how it came into my life in the first, the first time I learned about using energy to create reality, using my thoughts, my vibration, my energy to create reality. Uh, it was a long time ago now, about 18 or 19 um, I discovered a book uh, by Barbara Moher, or Barbell Moher, and it was like cosmic ordering for beginners. And it had a little CD in the back. And it was like a guided meditation, um, it, it, guiding you through a little visualization about what you wanted to bring into your life. And I did that meditation. I did that little CD um, every night. And I was like visualizing things. And uh, reading about manifesting in this book, like what you think consistently can come into your reality. And I hadn't heard of this before. So I was practicing it. And it was just something very small, but I'd lost my keys. And so I tested it out and I did like the little visualization of me finding my keys. And then five minutes later, I think I'd forgotten about it or something like that. And I started cleaning up just the house. I was like, right, I'm just going to tidy up. And then I found the keys that I was looking for in the wardrobe, which I would I'd cleaned it out and I would never would have cleaned it out normally. You know, it was just those one of those places where you just put all your stuff and that's it. It's gone in there for ages. Um, and I found the keys and I was like, whoa, I did that little visualization. And then I, I, I manifested that and it was something very small, but it really inspired me because I saw the direct correlation from me using the power of my mind to create the reality that I that I wanted to bring about. Um, but I think what dovetails with that is we can manifest great things into our lives or we can manifest small things like finding our keys. And what is the difference? Um, what creates that big difference is our consistency with our energy practice. So my manifestation journey or my relationship with metaphysics really changed after I did my yoga teacher training. It was one month in Goa doing yoga, meditation, pranayama every single day for one month. And then I went home. I did saved a little bit of money and I went on another traveling trip back into uh, Asia. I went to Bali, Thailand and then back to India. And because I'd been so inspired by my yoga teacher training, how different I felt in my energy body, how alive I felt, how inspired I felt by traveling. So I set myself a little challenge to do my meditation every day, to do my yoga every day, like a three week challenge of my own after the yoga teacher training. And I, at the time I was writing in a diary, like the little things that I wanted to manifest. And um, every morning that was my routine, yoga, meditation, writing in my diary, scripting what I wanted to come into fruition. And I got to a point when I was traveling in Rishikesh where I started writing things in my diary um, and very random and they would be manifesting the next day I was really experiencing instant manifestation after instant manifestation because my vibration was so high and I was really committed to my spiritual practice and then I was I was shocked because I was really getting huge evidence of the magic of life that I'd never experienced before uh, I think one time I'd written a, a girl had told me, oh, I, I was an extra in, 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 a, in a Bollywood film. And I was like, that's amazing. I'm going to write that in my diary. And then next the next day, I met a guy on the street and he was like, you'd be perfect. Do you want to be in this uh, Bollywood film? And I was an extra in it. And it was like, it was instantaneous. Um, and I left that trip like with so much awe. 
and then that inspired me to want to share that that information with more people and um from there I started sharing little retreats at hostels where I was teaching yoga and then you know it, it kind of snowballs from there and you share more and expand on that mm-hmm. yeah and then I'm wondering like just hearing about your journey how like it seems like you've kind of gone through these preparatory phases and you're going deeper and deeper into your own spiritual awakening and your understanding of who you are and I know part of your work is working with psilocybin doing shadow work can you share a little bit about how after you came back so high from your travels and your trip like I think a lot of us that have that like those moments then we want to bring them into our day-to-day life and suddenly it's like a vortex it's like like the vibe goes down but it seems like Mm. I'm in your journey you've kept it going with going deeper oh I don't know I think it, you know we we perceive these things of other people that uh, the vibe has always been high but it hasn't there's been a many lows <laughs> as well um but it was actually after the trip to India I then went to Thailand um with a friend that I'd met traveling and um at that time because I was in this energy energy of wanting my vibration to be so clean when I was younger you know so I did my yoga teacher training in this trip about about 27 28 I think, or maybe even a little bit later, 30, 30, it was 30 years old. But before that, like my early teens, um, early 20s, late teens, you know, I'd experienced or kind of delved a little bit into ecstasy, this sorts of things. I'd had that phase of my life, so I didn't want to touch drugs anymore. And so on this trip to Thailand, after um, India, doing all of this thing on my vibration, um, we were staying at a hostel and the guy there, he did mushroom shakes. And my friend, he was like, right, let's do it. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. My vibration is so high. I, I don't want to do any drugs. I'm not not doing it. And then the night went on and somehow, you know, I got coerced into doing this mushroom shake. And um, I think he'd done a put about three or four grams in there. And I I had the most amazing, because my vibration was high, I think, you know, I was really in that energy of everything manifesting so fast. And I had the most intense, beautiful experience with these mushrooms, um, speaking to nature, feeling the vibration of the trees, feeling the, the vibration of the grass, all of the colors. But what happened to me, I then went alone in my little hut that I was kind of uh, renting there in the hostel. And um what happened to me is what felt like is I passed through into a different dimension where I was moving the energy around and experiencing like instant manifestations of light. And I, in that moment, I knew that there was another aspect of my consciousness existing in another dimension that I had kind of dropped into and tuned into. And so from that, from that new, well, not new identity, simultaneous identity that I kind of walked through the veil into then from there um I started doing Reiki healing I met the day after I met a guy on the beach who was like you're a healer just randomly I don't know who this guy was he's very mysterious and I had a little nap on the beach and he turned up he was like have you ever tried Reiki healing energy healing he did some healing on me and told me that I could do it but a few years later that's when I started doing Reiki it wasn't even after that but another experience that happened on that mushroom trip is I felt the vibration and the energy of the clothes that I was wearing a lot of polyester a lot of uh, spandex this sort of thing 
and I went through my whole rucksack of all my clothes. I was like, this is low vibration. I could feel the energy of it it's so low. And then I found one organic cotton dress that I'd bought while I was traveling. And one other thing as well that was cotton. And I, I only wanted to wear that. I took all my other clothes out. I was like, right, I'm just wearing this dress. I could feel the vibration of it so clearly. Um, and then after that travel trip, I went home back to London, straight back into teaching yoga and Pilates in the city. That's when I had my you know, a little bit of a crash of the vibration because it was such a shock. Um, having all of that freedom, manifesting, all of these like magical experiences. And then going back to the city, it was cold. I was working a lot, long hours. And, you know, I did have that down period. But I think it's in those down periods that a lot of the learning and the integration actually happens. You can't always be at the peak. And, you know, you know in the hermetic principles, what something I'm learning these days is, even in your most happiest times, you don't want to get so into it that you upswing so much that your downswing is going to be huge as well. You know, it's being that observer, even in your most joyful periods of life, being the observer in your may maybe more down periods of life, which is where your power is. We kind of want to always be in that, that little bit of neutral, but also having that time and uh, energy to experience uh, with an open heart, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that analogy of the pendulum swing, like that, you know, we live in a world that so fantasizes or like goes towards this desire for everything to be so big and grand and great. And then we get attached to that. Mm. But then it's like, when things are bad, we are constantly put with the message of we have to let go, we have to surrender. But actually, if we let go and surrender, we have to let go and surrender to it all. And I love what you're mm. saying about like working more to find that gentle swing on the middle path, like not to get so swung up and so swung down. It's exactly but, mm -hmm, because it's we just live in a world that seems like it's so extreme, like it's so right. it is extreme, even just what we're seeing now, it's just like such severe polarization as mm -hmm. a sensitive being and you from what I'm hearing you say you know you're you are tuned into the more subtle energies and like how mm. do we keep our attention more on that when everything around us is contradictive to that harmonious swing and there's like a huge programming in our society that we should only be happy and if we are sad or if we are feeling any other dense or emotions, then we need to hide it. And I think what I've learned with my sensitivity and what I've been getting since coming back from Vipassana more recently is in my lower emotions, when I'm actually really completely present with them, just behind that layer of lower emotion is actually a bliss state. Like, and I've also found this like in distractions in meditation, like, maybe somebody playing music or, you know, the, the loud noises in the background. I found now that I've, as I've practiced being that observer of my own mind, that those things can take you deeper into meditation. Those emotions that we might deem as low actually can take you deeper into your true identity. And I think that's why there is this programming in our society to only show your happy face, to only show like the, the good parts of your life is actually when we we are programmed to do that, we lose half of ourselves. 
we're fragmented and to become more unified as a being or as a collective we have to accept all of ourselves and that means the lower emotions it means the happy times it means the things that we we deem as maybe bad but as soon as we accept them and really see them and feel them they become part of ourselves again and then they don't have that power over us anymore mm-hmm. we become more powerful because we've we've accepted it as part of us would you say that that's like kind of a part of doing the shadow work is like going towards that rather than like yeah. shine away yeah so I made my shadow work course last year because throughout my life I have experienced a, a lot of time periods of anxiety or depression and it's something that doesn't affect me as much as it did in my younger years but I have those periods where I am feeling these lower density emotions but now I have practiced being the witness of it I have those skills and tools to to go through that time with grace right um so when I made the shadow work course, it was to help p- other people that are going through those times in their lives to transmute that energy. But uh, I've now updated the course a little bit to to recognize that you're not actually, even if you are in anxiety or depression, you need to see it as something that you don't need to desperately get out of. Like it's there for a reason. And like in meditation, the same, like the pain that you feel from sitting for hours and hours, that's the exact thing that can take you into a, a spiritual awakening. And that there's a reason why you sit cross-legged. There's a reason why you're, you're, you're training your body to sit in Lotus for many hours um, in the yoga practice and the meditation practices, because it's not the most comfortable position for your body to be in, but in that discomfort, there is your, your pathway to, greater experience or the passageway to releasing suffering in all experience of life and it's the same when you experience anxiety when when you experience depression actually right there in those lower emotions there is the gateway to your awakening Mm, beautiful I love that one of my teachers like what I came to her one time with like a lot of anxiety and she said you kiss the feet of your anxiety because when we are established mm-hmm. in that witness observer seat it's so clear that everything that is manifesting is simply an expression of that same source so if if anxiety is coming through me and I deem it as wrong and bad and shameful I push it away what is that saying about me as the witness that's wanting to be mm-hmm. open to all of manifestation, to all of life? And yeah, that really mm-hmm. resonated with me. And it totally reminded me of that when you said that, because it's I like it's that like, saying. Yeah. Yeah, because it feels almost like it's instinctual or like human nature. Like, and I know, like, we learned this in Vipassana, like of the with the swing between craving and attachment and aversion and it's like we have a natural aversion to those negative experiences Mm -hmm. like anxiety like depression and you're so I love also what you said about like finding that resilience like it's almost builds the resilience these deeply uncomfortable spiritual experiences I had an experience in Vipassana um so at first, you know, I have been on this journey for a little while now. You know, I do. I have been consistent with my own meditation practice, my own yoga practice. Um, 
and I noticed this about myself you learn in the Vipassana to watch your own mind so I was watching myself doubting criticizing you know wondering about the teachings I was that were being shared with me but I was still applying them and so in the teachings is to label label the the sensory experiences that are coming in during your meditation um, to watch the breath but if there's a secondary object say a sound or a thought process to then label that thought process label the sound as you experience it so I was uh, doing the labeling process in the meditation practice and then I sat back on the wall and the wall was cold so I in my mind I started labeling it unpleasant sensation cold sensation and then the next thing is unpleasant as you follow how you're experiencing it but just before that we'd been doing affirmations on love and kindness so we start the meditation I am loving kindness I'm filled with love and kindness may I be free from aversion I'm filled with love and kindness so that was still echoing in my mind I'm loving kindness I'm loving kindness and it was like there was this kind of explosion of those two forces unpleasant and I am unloving I am loving kindness and as they kind of collided inside my consciousness my whole body instead of it feeling unpleasant it just filled with huge bliss and my body started shaking with with love but it was kind of like because my body wasn't prepared for that amount of love from something unpleasant that it it shakes right but in in that experience then then I had to leave the meditation room because it was so intense and it's in silence. And I wanted to go, wow, that's amazing. I just like, <laughs> this is just blowing my mind. Like I was going, wow. So I went outside, I was on the mountain going, wow, wow. And then I realized everything in my whole entire life, every time, you know, I've had rejection, every time I've had anxiety, every time I've had depression, any suffering that we have in this experience of this physical reality is literally giving you the key to turning that, to alchemizing that. It's just a matter of being so conscious and aware of what your true identity is. And that is love. I am loving kindness. I am loving kindness. So no matter what actually happens to your physical body, your mental state, no matter what is happening in this external reality, your true identity, it kind of trumps all of that if you remember it. But because we're so conditioned to be attached to this body, attached to this mind, attached to the external reality, we're, we're, in, we're in the illusion all of the time, right? But it's just, it's a tiny little shift and then you can be in bliss states no matter what. And uh, it does, you know, I, and then since then, of course, I've experienced pain, I've experienced cold, I've experienced anxiety, and I've been moaning in my head and I've forgotten to be conscious and aware because it's always like this swings and roundabout journey, right? But then I, I think of that time or I think of other things that have happened. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm bigger than that. My identity is so big, my, so big, so expansive that these things, they're just a part of, bringing me back to that identity mm, so, that's so beautiful yeah this is something that I want to share with more people through the microdosing, through the shadow work because it is just always just us reminding each other we don't remember these things all the time we're trained to forget for a reason otherwise why would we come mm-hmm yeah, it's so powerful. Like hearing you talk, it made me think of this analogy. I don't know where I saw it or where I heard it, but like when you when we look at like when 
uh, a tsunami happens, like underneath the earth, there's this slight tectonic shift. It's just so subtle Mm. in terms of like the planet, but it makes this huge wave and like just sitting in meditation and doing all of these different practices that just continually shift our perspective back to that loving Mm -hmm. kindness, back to the true nature of who we are, which like since the moment someone said your name is Virginia, you've been getting other Mm. information. So it's so like, I also find that when we look at it from this way, it feels like so much more compassion to myself as Bobby, the wounded girl. I'm like, Mm. girl, like you've had forces working against you, but then like, yeah. And and I guess maybe not even against you, just the way that we are as human beings. It's, it's so the opposite. And so I think it's so important Mm. and special that we can have so many tools, like you said, microdosing and and Vipassana and yoga and all these works that we can work to continually return to that seat of the watcher and the knower because to expect it to be easy almost is like, okay, no, I got (laughs) to work for it. And like to support each other in that work, I think it's so Oh, like we need each other you know yeah totally um and uh, something else from Vipassana is beginner's mind come back to beginner's mind every day like you're a newbie there's always going to be something new to learn and if you keep that beginner's mind then um life becomes magical again right we can get you know it happens to us all we get a little bit like bogged down with some of the things that can happen to us in life and sometimes they will change us but if we can just remember to have a little bit of a beginner's mind each day then we can rediscover magic no matter what's happened to us Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about psilocybin and microdosing in terms of like you were talking before about a doorway how that can be a supportive doorway for us as spiritually spiritual mm-hmm. seekers to go towards so that. I think with psilocybin, it just has this uh, inherent nature within it. It's got those codes that we might be missing um, because of the way society has programmed us, and it can just open those those pathways, those neural pathways in our brain again, open us back up to higher consciousness. Um, and so, from that experience in Thailand of uh, the mushrooms opening doorways to other dimensions what af- happened after that experience was like a slow um I'd say I'd say an alchemy of how I wanted to experience life I wanted to be more connected again because of those connections I felt from doing the psilocybin and so because I'd had that doorway open and wanting to have more connection then I made decisions in my life that I wouldn't have made before you know I I wanted to expand my horizon. So ideas that I had, I I went with them instead of holding myself back. And I think it is down to those new neural pathways that can be created by taking psilocybin. Um, And so that then led to sharing psilocybin events where, which I did in Mexico, um, doing mushroom ceremonies. But what I've learned more recently, I think for most people on this journey, it doesn't have to be a huge huge dose it doesn't have to be a huge dramatic ceremony um you can get those codes you can get that those new neural pathways built up just by doing the microdosing and i think for lots of people it's a much safer way to do it alongside 
um, like I've done in the Shadow Work and Shrooms course, alongside content where you're using your logical mind and you're using um, this part of our ourselves to to delve deep within ourselves rather than just relying on the plant medicine to do all the work for you because what can often get missed out is that integration process you can do a huge ceremony you can have loads of downloads and then if you don't do anything with that information you're not going to change right so i think this combination of doing the microdosing using that little bit of um higher consciousness that that connection via the plants um but then also alongside um course content it's a great way for a lot of people that might not have done things like this or just starting out on their spiritual journey. Um, I think it's a better way to to kind of ease people in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's much safer, you know. Uh, I was sharing the ceremonies of plant medicines, but you have to be careful. It's not for everyone to do huge doses. It's not everyone for everyone to do the ayahuasca ceremony. Um, you've got to have a certain, I think, foundation in place a little bit of work you've got to have done some some spiritual work beforehand I think before going into these bigger ceremonies is something I've learned um, along my journey anyway um and for me with the microdosing as well it's like you can get this little you can get like the little bit of brighter colors you can feel like a little bit happier sometimes it can just chill you out but it's not like, whoa, I saw like an, a whole new dimension <laughs> when I wasn't ready for it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, it's about balance. I'm wondering what your view is on the intersect or like the segue of yoga and plant medicine. Like I, mm-hmm. like, and I'm not talking about, you know, the, the, the yoga, the asana obsessed yoga, that like mm. true yoga, the seed of meditation, the seed of the vipassana, and the plant medicine. Like, where do they intersect? So like, where are they? Mm. I did a ayahuasca ceremony just before leaving Mexico um, on my most recent trip, and the the people that led that ceremony, such lovely high vibration couple, and their son, he is a yoga teacher. And he has been doing microdosing ayahuasca um, with his yoga. And he's he's had huge developments in his life, huge changes in his experience, his emotional experiences of life through doing this combination. And I think it's the same with psilocybin microdosing and, and the yoga. There is an ancient wisdom, of course, in the yoga postures that we're doing. They have it's not like you say, it's not just about the fancy postures, but your ashtanga sequence your ashtanga yoga sequence is in that sequence for a reason those postures that the shapes that you're making tadasana you know bird of paradise whatever it is there's a symbiosis for your subconscious mind when you're making these shapes with your body and there's like kundalini activation process where sometimes people will randomly make these shapes with their body they'll start doing yoga And when they've never done yoga before, when they have a kundalini activation, there's a reason there's like this communication from these yoga shapes. They have an effect on our energetic body. So I think if you're consistently visiting your yoga practice and you're then visiting plant medicine, they work well together because it's like you've created a preparatory system to receive the knowledge of these medicines. And, um, kundalini awakening you know this is something that i've experienced many years ago and then more this year um in certain cycles 
and having other people around me that have experienced it as well a lot of intense energy in Mexico I must say <laughs> um, I've got a few people that went through the same process but for me you know I even whatever was going on in my life I was visiting my yoga practice and I felt like I experienced what I've experienced in actually a quite a grounded way considering the things that have happened to my energy body the things that have happened to my mind because of these new energetic activations I think personally it's a consistent yoga practice that helped me to stabilize there was my my energetic body my physical body was ready for these downloads because of yoga it's more powerful than we realize and you know there's so much going on with yoga now where it's like it's getting a, a bad name like you you search yoga on youtube and it's all like sexual and all of this you know all the pretty pictures and everyone just wants to to look good on instagram but despite all of that i think it's important that it has this name because whatever reason you get into yoga if you start being consistent with it there's like it will trick you into having a spiritual like a spiritual development, right? Because the postures are there in that sequence for a reason. So if you visit them, whatever reason you go there for in the first place, you know, more people are doing it. It's not a bad thing. So, you know, we can say that yoga is getting a bad name or whatever it is, or it's, it's being used in the wrong way. But if more people are visiting it, like it's not, it's being used, it's, it's doing its job. And uh, in autobiography of a yogi, they wanted to bring yoga to the West for a reason, because more people need it. And then we complain about what's happened to yoga. But actually, I think it's it's doing exactly what it needs to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. And like yoga is going to be fine, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's going to be fine. And I, I really appreciate what you're saying about the power of having a regular practice. And I love the language that you use of visiting the yoga practice and visiting the plant medicine. And like, for me, it feels like that daily practice is such an anchor. Well, then whatever happens, it's just always yeah. there. It's so reliable. The the feeling that you feel the, the openness. And I think it also speaks yeah. to the power of using yoga as a preparatory practice to going deeper into your deep work that is so now more and more sought after like going towards plant medicine and ayahuasca psilocybin even ketamine therapy like it's becoming more and more mainstream i'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about not contradictions but things to watch out for for the listeners as it is becoming more mainstream and more popular to like go towards those experiences so i think the most important aspect I think when you're first getting into yoga or even plant medicine is who is it that you're choosing to be your your guide right and for me luckily I think well this has just been intuitively guided I've had many teachers that are on that vibration where they're sharing from an authentic place um same for when I did ayahuasca same for um who I've shared uh mushroom ceremonies with I've had the right people around me so you want to choose your teacher wisely think about somebody that's already got a lot of recommendations or take a moment to really tune into their energy before you you embark on a, a longer journey with with whoever it is that you're choosing because that vibration of what they're sharing is going to be um 
you know, is going to be seeping into whether they're sharing yoga or whether they're sharing plant medicine, their vibrations have an effect, right? So your teacher is really important. Um, and I think with plant medicine, it, it is becoming more popular, which is very beneficial, of course, for spiritual awakening, development, helping with anxiety, helping with depression, helping with trauma. But you can't just go and do plant medicine just because it's popular. There is like a calling within you or there'll be a circumstance in your life where you're led to the plant medicine for a reason. And I think if you're just seeking it out because it's popular, it's the wrong way to go towards it, right? Um, we might be coming into a time in our lives where like, I need to make a change. And then you're called to the plant medicine. Like that's kind of the right access point. But if you're just doing it because I want to have a psychedelic experience, I want to experience it like it's kind of like a, a fun fair ride. It's the wrong energy to be going into it for. Like I did I did mushrooms when I was like uh, 18. And we did have like a little bit of a spiritual experience. My my friend and I at the time, we, we thought we'd cracked like when the world was going to end because tortoises are slow and cheetahs are fast and how long they live. Like we had some deep conversations on, on it. But overall, I didn't get very much uh, wisdom for my life moving forwards from that point because I hadn't gone into it with the right intention. I'd just done it like, yeah, let's do some mushrooms. It's different to <laughs> I'm intentionally going to this plant medicine to learn this about me or I'm setting this intention with the plant medicine to, to release this trauma or release um, this limiting belief that I have. It is doing it with intention. I think it's a big, big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm wondering, you know, when we're talking about having maybe not even like a big trip, but micro dosing or like going through an experience that's so intense and profound, like your experience in Vipassana of knowing yourself as loving kindness. Like, how mm-hmm. can we start to really, like you said, integrate these experiences into those into our day to day life? Like, how can we still live our mundane day-to-day life and keep that beginner's mind and keep that oneness space that gets revealed through soul and experiences and all the deep spiritual happenings. So for me, like since coming back from Vipassana, even though I'm in mundane life and even in the city in the cold now, nothing seems mundane to me because I'm in the background is still that connection to that experience in it is literally the more that you can remember I'm part of this bigger identity, the less life seems mundane. Mm-hmm. That loving kindness, that experience is always going to be reflected back to you. I, I'm having like <laughs> like little giggles to myself, like walking down the road in the freezing cold because there's just this, this spark within me that makes everything exciting. And I think whatever is happening in your life, if you can come to it from that point of view as I am a bigger identity, then all of your experiences are profound. The Mm -hmm. mundane can be profound, but it, it is literally about remembering to be conscious of what you're here for, what you're doing here. And that Mm -hmm. is to share more love. Mm -hmm. yeah and I guess it's interesting because like 
the mind in its nature is dualistic. Like its job is there to see black and white and keep us safe and alive. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And just like, you know, not calling, we're not like unfriending the mind, but just keep, keep doing that shift. Like, okay, I'm getting into this place of polarity. I'm getting into that craving and aversion space. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, take a step back keep step remembering back every time yeah and like keep be- be- keep and before yeah you use that example of the veil like I love that that image as well like we just have to keep mm. pulling the veil back pulling that veil back yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think so for me for example one day I might want to lay in bed when I have to get up and teach Pilates early early in the morning right but as soon as I've noticed in my mind oh I feel aversion towards getting up. As soon as you as you label it, oh, I have an aversion. My mind has an aversion. My body feels tired or the mind has an aversion. The body feels tired. As soon as you take that step back, there's like this release. It's, it's the tension that you create around the thing that you don't want to do. And as soon as you actually label label it as the mind and the body has the aversion, then you remember, oh, I am that observer behind these things and that tension it releases. And so you might, you, the I am of like the identity of Virginia in the body probably still doesn't want to get up early. But as soon as I've remembered that Virginia is just the avatar running around in this body, yeah, she's got many aversions. She doesn't want to get up early, but actually there's something much bigger going on then mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't have that much power as much power over you anymore that aversion it doesn't have as much power as soon as you label it mm. what it is yeah I was kind of like laughing there because it's like just thinking of you referring to yourself as Virginia the avatar it's like yeah I also am this avatar that came with this family with all these conditions with all these quirks and nuances and like it's not me but it's it's a part of me but it's not me like but to just keep the work of remembering it every day I guess that's a part of it too it's like we forget so we can remember forget so we can remember yeah and it's a practice it's a practice it's not we're not always we're never going to be fully realized and that's something it's hard to accept that because what we practice in Vipassana is being the observer but then there's also also in that observer state there's an observer behind that observer there's always another layer of observer there's always another layer of higher consciousness there's always something higher it's infinite so we can never be our fully expanded self because that fully expanded self doesn't exist at this point because there's always more so we have to accept that we'll never know it all. Mm-hmm. Our unknowingness, like that's, we have to dance in it. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, and also like just thinking of Vipassana and thinking of meditation and kind of the power that's in stillness and silence as a part of the work, like doing the work mm-hmm. in real time when we're faced with all those experiences and likes and dislikes but also like yeah. kind of it's like going to the gym or something it's like strengthening the mm-hmm. muscle in the silence yeah. and the stillness to strengthen that muscle of remembering or something yeah I think that's exactly what we're doing isn't it when we we sit in the meditation we sit for a longer period of time 
then we are much more equipped to to do that within ourselves even though we're we're living the human experience that stillness within you is more more accessible in the stress and strain or the worries and cares of the day it's like you're building up that well of stillness to stay within you Mm. yeah and the more like one meditates it becomes quite obvious like for me I notice if I don't meditate like the, my experience of the day is so different and the way I sh- the way I show up because it's like you said like that well is hasn't been replenished that dip into that mm. knowingness of loving me as that infinite love hasn't been mm. like dipped today and then it's like a little bit dried up exactly. from yesterday so <laughs> yeah. it's quite it's quite a powerful experiment like for anyone listening that we can all just kind of yeah. experiment, just sit and watch what happens when you sit and watch each day. Yeah. And I think what was quite revelationary for me learning about meditation, you know, when I first started try or trying exactly, you're trying to do something when you first arrive for meditation, like, I must be peaceful. I must sit here, must <laughs> do this amount of time of meditating. But what I've learned, you know, over time is, meditation is it's not about how peaceful you get in the meditation it's literally about training yourself to sit and do the opposite of what you would normally do your body would normally be distracted your body would normally be going around doing this and that and it would want to fidget and it would want to do this and the more you train yourself to sit still in those moments where your body would normally be going on autopilot and doing whatever it wanted the more you've then trained yourself to drop into the bigger I am. And that's where the power is. It's not that you need to just be like reaching Nirvana every time you you sit and close your eyes. It's more about disassociating yourself from this autopilot existence. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. It seems subtle, like it's like, what are you doing? You're just sitting with your eyes closed. But the power in that is mm, pretty profound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, of course, there's there's so many benefits to yoga. There's so many benefits to plant medicine. There's so many benefits to to talking like this, to connecting with people, um, like-minded individuals, sharing information. But I think the most profound experiences we can have is Um, or developments we can have is from visiting our meditation practice regularly that Mm. I in the Vipassana that I've most recently did I had like psychedelic experiences without psychedelics it was it was at some point it was like I was doing mushrooms because I'd become so conscious and aware of my environment and being in the silence doing the walking meditation doing everything so slow that you know, the colors were so bright. I was getting downloads from spirit, you know, I was getting messages. I was having like, uh, like prophetic dreams because I just trained my mind to be like, you know, step through the veil a little bit. And that is what plant medicine is doing. It is just giving us a little bit of a shortcut. And sometimes we need that to get inspired to be on the journey because, you know, if we're first starting out in spirituality, we're not going to go to the the seven day Vipassana, 14 day, we're not going to do it when we're first starting out. It's just, it's not really the the, the most easiest gateway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like probably yeah. doing like the hero's journey. So Simon is in also the first step. Right, exactly. It depends on the person. It depends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we have all these tools and they can all be really useful of course mm -hmm. well i love this conversation and i'd love to wind up just by asking you if you could leave myself and the listeners for a point of inquiry that we can sit with during our meditation, during our spiritual uh, experiments and experiences, like what would you, what would you leave us with to really consider and contemplate? So it might sound, can I say counterintuitive or it might seem a little bit like against what we would learn in um, metaphysics or our manifesting practice. So, you know, with manifesting or you might not know, but with manifestation, we're, we're looking to be in high frequency, positive emotions, positive thoughts so that we can bring in positive experiences into our lives. But the most, um, you know, uh, biggest learning experience I had in meditation is when I, I sat and meditated on my limiting beliefs and a few come up and they're probably the same for most people like those core limiting beliefs that we have is I'm not enough fear of the unknown um and wanting to be perfect was one of mine but but underneath wanting to be perfect is fear of not being enough right fear of not fear fear of not being enough and fear of the unknown they're the biggest two that I could find and I sat in meditation for nearly an hour and a lot of crying and I meditated on fear of not being enough. And I didn't try to push it away. I just, I just breathe. I, I made love, you know, like I think of meditation, like I'm making love to the breath. I'm being so present with the breath that I'm making love to it. So I was just so present with fear of not being enough. that I made love to fear of not being enough. And in that there was such a huge alchemy, such a huge shift, such a dropping of resistance in my physical and emotional body that, you know, it wasn't like I was manifesting more fear of not being enough. It was, I was looking on the flip side of that fear of not being enough is the truth of I am enough because I'm all, I'm all, I'm all things, right? That fear is like always our fear on the other side of it is actually the truth of who we are. I am the unknown. I am the known. I am enough because I'm all. And so if you can, can you meditate on your fears because in that there is a big key and we're trained not to do that don't look at those don't, don't you're gonna manifest <laughs> bad experiences if you do that like but it's it's not it was mm -hmm. it was the most freeing thing in the world beautiful also kind of interesting because you said right at the beginning, like it's two sides of the same coin, like on the other side of the fear is the fearless and just a beautiful way that you expressed it. So thank you. Thank and you for having me, Bobby. It was great to speak with you again. Yeah, it's so fun to have like get to just be high together because this kind of conversation just like totally lights me up so i'm so thankful yeah. for you for sharing your energy um, and if people want to practice with you or learn from you where can they find you connect you do you have anything coming up you want to share so on my instagram virginia love life yoga in my profile there's a link uh to my shadow work and shrooms course it's open for donations now it's a three-week course you can do it alongside um medicinal mushrooms such as cordyceps or lion's mane um, and I can help you with sourcing those ones or you can do it with psilocybin if you have your own supply 
Um, but the whole course itself, it can be done without mushrooms. There's so much content in there for self self development. Um, doing your shadow work that it doesn't have to be done done with mushrooms. Um, and this is for donations. The minimum donation is one pound. There is a suggested donation, but I don't want money to be a barrier to doing this work. And I've just set up, we're starting it today. So after this call, I'm doing my first group coaching call within the course. So even though you, if you finish the content, the three weeks of content, you can still come back every week and do a group coaching call with everyone that's signed up to the course so far. And whoever comes on weekly, we're going to do like a weekly share, weekly shadow work exercise, and then any experiences that you've had with plant medicine or Kundalini energy or Vipassana that you want to integrate. We're going to do that together alongside some meditation. So um, yeah, weekly live call inside the course now. So you can find that on my Instagram. If you want to practice yoga with me, you can practice on my YouTube. Again, the link is uh, in my Instagram bio, uh, Virginia Love Life Yoga. And I'm, I'm updating that more regularly now. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review. It really helps the show reach more people. If you'd like to have your greatest spiritual questions answered on the show, send them to me through social or email. And don't forget to follow on your favorite streaming platforms. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the path together. Music graciously offered by Heidi Herdaya Groschler. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.